house and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller and all we say is please at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel belted radios and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode. Abuse from the oh, underbelly. No, okay, okay, just, just start. Shut up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of of News from the Underbelly. This is your host, Ruthri Mukherjee. Uh, you're finally here. Podcast episodes out. Uh, it wasn't that difficult to click on a link and then just listen to it. Something that a friend is doing. It's nice to be supportive, isn't it? Um, joining me today for the first episode of this podcast is a very close childhood friend of mine. uh now of course there's a restraining order on that uh sushil mitra hi sushil what's up how are you hello i am okay i'm so happy to be here thank you for having me of course yeah. i am here because i'm the only one who agreed to be here it's not like people are running over yeah, this so don't, don't say it like, there will be guests after you and like it's <laughs> you hope you hope yeah, yeah i hope but also, i don't want to be like, i don't want to be the guy who's like all his best friends to his podcast because like he doesn't have but you did i mean yeah this is exact just fucking don't say it then um yeah uh how is everything Achha, by the, the way um uh before we move on i don't want to yeah. be hijacking anything but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh for everyone listening uh that cough in the beginning that was not scripted that's just oh yeah no no, no it wasn't <laughs> just we knew he was going to cough and just like All of us had befitting responses yeah. to whatever we had to say. We just like normal. Coronavirus. We just cool like that. No. Stay yeah. safe. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, how the uh, interestingly enough, Sushil is one of those people who was supposed to graduate from school this year, but he didn't because of uh, said pandemic. Uh, how's uh, did you apply to the college yet? Like, how's how's the scene going? Is it good? Is it bad? Nah, I didn't apply to any colleges. I mean, I I know you applied because because um, yeah. oh, what are you gonna do with all that taxpayer money you've been getting with a dad working in the government, right? But like, um, how how's the, how how's it different from uh from normal years? Like, do colleges normally have some kind of like different procedure for applying? Uh, you know, I've 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 only been applying to colleges once. I haven't done it before, so I'm not sure how it is different. <laughs> if that's what you're asking but right. uh, i um, don't know i had expected it to be you know isc over and i'll mm-hmm. you know relax for a week and then after but it is over right you have an exams remaining it is not over yeah i have exams remaining and uh, yeah. i i thought that we'd like we'd finish and then i'd relax for a bit and then i'd have to go and back and then this the podcast came along and you're like oh, fuck <laughs> but yeah. no but seriously though, thanks thanks for thanks for coming on I I I can't be happy enough to have an epi- yeah, have a episode. Yeah, you owe me like this is this is what you don't owe me one. You owe me what is this? The the the. I mean, you're getting free publicity. Favor and uh, getting free publicity for your band as well. So yeah. Okay, you haven't done the publicity yet. Uh, we'll 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 do that. Also, listeners, uh, stay around until the end of the podcast to get uh, to get to know one of the coolest bands who are uh, trying to make it onto the national scale. 
with stars we are not we are not you are but with the no we are not yeah singing yeah. about yeah singing about women who have left you hanging yeah but what um, else is there to sing about but no um it's called we, we're called Raiko and Rizvi's me and a close friend of mine and mm-hmm. uh, you 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 love listening to us because i have listened um, to them i'm your fucking best friend <laughs> <But>. <laughs> no not you everyone else because oh, i know general, right, listen, right, right, right. i yeah. i mean after listening to this podcast you need like some antidote to you know regain faith in humanity again yeah, so yeah. to do that you Done. can just yeah. we are we are on spotify we are on apple music and all of that uh, yeah. but if you also on my fucking know, nerve <laughs> this fucking bit of last publicity <laughs> but like uh, oh, before we uh, today of course for the episode we'll be discussing like you like most of you guys if you guys have been nice enough to read the posts that I've been posting from the podcast account uh, we'll be talking about uh, the origins of football the origins of rivalry why is it uh, important for football clubs to have this kind of rivalries and the psychology that goes on behind them and how politics class in, inter and intra class both and uh, ethnicity etc played into the creation of the sport that we see today uh but before that i had put up this kind of an ask me a question thing on instagram uh that you guys could uh, ask me and my guest which is sushen coincidentally for this episode uh questions that you would like us to answer like and these could be uh books that you wanted us to review articles that you wanted uh to be discussed uh but none of you did that because none of you are good human beings so you sent us a bunch of questions like why am i gay uh why is melody chocolatey and oh, and what is my haircut but but uh, on a scale of questions on a why scale of questions i mean i'm i'm all for it because i mean it's okay but... so sure it's you and some days i think of it like oh. yeah no but uh not on the scale of questions not all of them were absolutely horse shit like that there were like horse shit questions and then like there were like cow shit so like just you can consider the cow shit questions because they're like fucking cow whatever uh, this joke had a better punchline and it just left me in the middle of the <laughs> no, but, but, now, now this episode goes out and it's just like utri mukherjee animal porn addict <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but it, it's it's good. You're you're aligning with the party you do not want to yeah, alienate. Yeah. So don't 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 ruin that's, the that's podcast. That's one thing you're not going to be censored. Yeah, you're don't, not going to be censored. Don't demonetize the podcast before. before <laughs> uh, right. So we're going to consider these questions that you guys have sent us, and uh, we'll try to answer them the best we can. Of course, we're not specialists in any of these areas, but uh, neither are you. So you won't tell the good from the bad, which which is why you've placed your on placed the faith for your answers into. uh very free teenagers uh number 1 uh comes from a mutual friend of ours who's we uh okay so it's sushil and me for this episode so uh yeah very oh interesting I question mean, thank you, you, you for answering you, uh, yeah you put up Thais a Shane, story about yeah. you know let's ask questions let's let's you know engage with our audience and then yeah cuz i heard some other podcasts you? and they got questions like oh what do you think about like uh, i don't know the benjamin franklin effect in schools or like what do you think about uh this you know this kind of like this this like some very ob- obscure part of philosophical literature and then we yeah, get questions like you would love like, that wouldn't you you would love i would that. i would but then i get questions like and no like, one else would by the way would you way. would you get laid no with alex in this Tara? world <laughs> there's no That's one else in the point. world other than you who 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 wants you know actively to have questions like you know what is life you're the only one who you know wants questions like that voluntarily thrown at no them. i think everybody has these questions it's just like they place their yeah. faith 
in yeah, other things. Yeah, everyone has these questions. Nobody goes around asking O3 these questions. Yeah, which is a... Uh, a good choice, which is a good choice. Shut up. Not ask shut up. <laughs> shut up. Uh, second question comes from uh, comes from this person. Uh, he's asked asks us, uh, would you guys prefer Android phones or iPhones? I've had an Android phone. Uh, I've had four Android phones, all of which, which have had screens broken within the first week. So I, I'm I'm barely the phone person. But you've had an Android and an iPhone both, right? Uh, which one do you think is better, and like why? It's like basically uh... from a very illiterate consumer base I, uh, you know I, I'm obviously gonna say iPhone because no self-respecting iOS user will ever say you know Android is better um, oh so it's just like for the aesthetic is it <laughs> no 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 it's like, honestly oh I'm just I'm just gonna step out of my house in my uh, white sneakers and iPhone gold plated iPhones and then the no, <laughs> faded no, haircut no, it's, it's 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 genuinely you know easier and better to use like, but there are bits though like for instance you can't like Download music on it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's, that's one I think of the that bits I miss about Android phones. I think that constitutes a very important part. I miss about Android phones because you know we used to go onto YouTube and you know YouTube yeah, exactly. MP3 converter. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, I, you know, I used to think I was like this great cyber criminal because I was like, Haha, Indian <laughs> laws, <laughs> you can't catch me. She's <laughs> like, fuck you, government. I'm an anarchist. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just I downloaded music. Rich, you couldn't catch me. Person. Sitting at his dad's laptop, yeah. just like, what is hentai? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's that's the only bit I miss, very honestly. And there's no, you, th th there's nothing, you know, it's snobbish okay, about you, it's okay. admitting. It's still you. out there somewhere. You just have to find the video. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, third question uh, and the second last question. We'll be getting onto the topic in the points. We'll just get these questions done with. Is uh is it possible for God to create something that uh, God himself God itself cannot imagine? What do you think? Is it possible for God to create something that he can't imagine? Is it possible for anybody um to create something that they can't imagine? So I'm God, right? And I would never be able to create anything I can't imagine. So my answer is a no. Straight and simple. Easy question. No, but if you that's no, but if you really think about it though, um Obviously, for him to be God, he has to be, or like so any kind of supernatural entity, he has to have certain qualifications or certain characteristics that define him are uh, different from the generic Vitruvian person, right? So they don't have the normal anatomy or... <laughs> wow, you, you actually decided to put, you know, thought into this and answer this question because I thought we were going for the, like, the, like, the joking approach, like the humor approach, haha, <laughs> let's laugh it off. You, you actually want no, to answer this question. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is like... What a typical O3 move of you. No, <laughs> you but like, if you genuinely like, think about what it. What is God? Is it possible you? for someone to create something that they can't imagine? For instance... Why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell me? Like, for is instance... For instance... Also, be a bit louder. Um, uh, for instance, if Newton sat under the tree, yeah, he didn't sit with the intention that, okay, fine, now this, like, it's not scheduled for the apple to have fallen on his head, and then him having the general thought process of, like, oh, fuck, ABC equal to, like, fucking gravity. No, right, so, uh, most discoveries, if you notice the stories that bind around... No, it's called like, a coincidence. I, I think it's called a no, coincidence. But it's too, I'm not sure. It's of course, of course, of course. But like, it's not called it is, God. It is, but, like, again, most, most discoveries on the planet, penicillin, gravity... Uh, hentai, all of this were like discoveries that people stumbled upon like that. None of them were like thinking about it and just like, oh, I'm gonna create this, I'm gonna think about it, and have the end product. All of them started with something else. And, so your uh, answer is a yes. So your answer is a yes. 
I I'm not sure. I will read about this because I don't think this question is answered enough. I'll answer this in episode two, if there is one. Uh, so I'll try to answer that one. Fourth question is, uh, what goes wrong in a person's life so much that they start making a podcast? <laughs> you know me pretty well, Sushil. What do you think went wrong in my life that I have to uh, create what a podcast? What did not go wrong in your life? I mean. I saw you know I was thinking of asking you this myself I mean <laughs> why would you why would you wake up one day and then you know open your eyes get out of your bed and you think wow let me create a podcast which no it didn't happen it didn't happen overnight right it's, it didn't happen like was this right. I went to sleep drunk and then just woke up yeah. and like fuck it public discourse is evolution no I didn't right. uh, <laughs> just no Uh, I wanted to get. So the thing is, people love talking about themselves, right? But shut the fuck up! Don't don't rat me around. <laughs> we've all we've all. This <laughs> is a real cuff, by the way. This is a real cuff. This is not a scripted cuff. Right. Yeah. That is so a, like <laughs> we've all like growing up, just watching Jimmy Fallon and just like standing in front of our bathroom mirrors and like thinking we're being interviewed and just like yes, Jimmy, I think that movie was. Yeah, we've done that. All of us have. If you fucking rat me out on this situation, I'm fucking grown up with you. You've done that. You've done that. On multiple occasions, fucking can't. Uh, yeah, so I. So I haven't the... ever imagined that I was on Jimmy Fallon. I am just putting this out there. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, no, but the thing is, like, is... I, more often than not, it's it's difficult for us to create a kind of public discourse because on on topics that have been sitting around on a mountain of academic elitism, right? Topics that concern people daily. These are topics that are that don't get spoken about enough. because that because these topics have become associated with with discussions only for academics only for professors only for people who are you know have gray hair and have two or three degrees to their name so the podcast uh, news from the underbelly which is this tries to break down that kind of a, that kind of an that kind of a mountain of academic elitism uh tries to create this kind of public discourse of course uh, i don't know how much of that is possible but if it's two people listening uh, i i like to believe that creates a difference it doesn't of course but with okay. all different kinds of lonely fine, fine, we all different kind of lies let let let's just get to the part where you and i pretend that we are you know smart yeah. in, uh, <laughs> so uh like we put out the episode this one uh, that we're going to be covering in uh this ep- the topic we're going to be covering in this episode is uh um how football originated as a sport but more importantly how the rivalries in football i think originated and why Uh, they no, it's not just not not just not just the origin of rivalry. We aren't you know mm-hmm. talking about uh, the history of football, mm-hmm. uh, b- because uh, I I don't think we're doing that. We're talking about uh, this this wealth of academics and academic knowledge mm-hmm. which is you know present uh, and which is very accessible. Uh, which doesn't doesn't get access to talking about. And and yeah 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 yeah, it's accessible but no one accesses it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I mean. we all think of football as you know 22 people running after each other running after a ball yeah for 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 purposes <laughs> which is a mystery uh purposes which are mysteries but yeah. um uh there's a lot of theory behind the sport there's huh? more to it than just the physical act of playing it right. and uh it's not just you know stuff that gets talked about in in the dressing rooms or or, or in training sessions it's not just mm-hmm. the finances behind it but it's also uh from a from a from an academic perspective from a third uh, person's perspective it's mm-hmm. about uh you know uh 
the reverberations football has on society, uh, the 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 effect, politics, identity, uh, you know, symbolism, class, ethnicity, yeah, class stuff like this. How and if you really think about it, though, instead football. of instead of uh, instead of football being instead of these politics in itself finding its way into football, I think football as a sport, uh, as an entity, as it created an entity entity about itself for sure. Uh, even in olden days, and it 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 yeah, made its yeah. way into these arenas more than these arenas made its way into football. Yeah, right. and and uh, it's a two way relationship. It, it you 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 can't you know walk down one way and then not walk back the other because it's it's not just how uh, football affects society, but it's mm-hmm. also how society affects football. Right. It's 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 a symbiotic relationship. But uh, if you really cast the academics as far back as possible. Uh, I mean, we all know how it started. The English started it, and then they colonized half of the country, shattered half half of the world, uh, stole half of the world's wealth, and did whatever it is they have to. And then, and then, I I'm not pretty sure how football started as a sport, which is so something you that know, you said you so, did. So, so, so it's 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 got a it's got a it's got a very strange origin mm-hmm. if you think of it, because you know all of us talk about football as uh, a game with you know working class roots uh, yeah. for a long time, and I think in if you ask my aunt, for example, my aunt lived in England for a long time. She was a she was a Chelsea supporter. Is she single? It, what? Like now? Is she okay? Cool. No. Okay, so she. No, okay, no, cool. she's not. Yeah. Okay. What cool. the fuck? <laughs> okay. Okay. Jesus, fine. It's a joke. Fine. Anyway, so 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 even if you ask her, okay, and she she she'll still. Uh, call football a working class game, but yeah. very curiously, in the beginning, football was fashioned into the form that we see today, under mm-hmm. the auspices of the privileged, because uh, it was invented at Eton. I mean, it wasn't obviously invented at Eton, but it was played for the first time yeah. uh, in the form that we see today at Eton, mm-hmm. and it therefore spread amongst you know the English public school network. And yeah. uh, th- this is this is a, the the mid nineteenth century, right? This is yeah. uh, the eighteen fifties and the eighteen sixties. So yeah. uh, th- this was the Victorian era, and there was this very stiff Victorian ideal that mm-hmm. uh, sport is necessary for character building, and character building and character, uh, by extension, is necessary to maintain war and you know uh, control empire. And which so, is which is surprising though, because if you I mean, you mentioned that um, now, for instance, when we think about football, if we like go to a random person standing on the street and we like give them a situation that's like just scream football at their face and run away, the person will probably think about, uh, you know, like a football pitch with players on it with different colors, different yeah. kind of yeah. audiences and like referees and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Uh, but football always, like like you said, it has a very working class foundation to it, right? Which is wasn't, like you said, wasn't the case in these mid-19th century because as far as I no. know, yeah. cricket was the sport which was played by people of higher classes, right? That was a gentrified sport. I had no idea football had um, that kind of a... Yeah, it's surprising, you know, kind of which, is, which is why it's surprising because... Uh, so the first set of rules for football, for example, they were drawn up at the University of Cambridge. 
and uh, the FA Cup, the Football Association Club, uh, Cup, yeah. which was, uh, you know, when it was founded, it was founded initially under the preserve of uh, of the nobility because you know think of the names of the first few winners of the FA Cup, Oxford University, old Etonians, old Carthusians, royal. Right, so these are like proper yeah. Englishmen, like yeah. calling yeah. each other pricks and all all that English <laughs> um, abuse. I mean, it's it's yeah. sad you think that is <laughs> the extent yeah. of English. It's really fun though to imagine like this set of monocle wearing, mustached. Uh, Macintosh <laughs> football players <laughs> just treating them with respect, no, just anyway, like kicking someone on the field, and they're just like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Mr. Grantham, I didn't mean to." And then she's like, "Yellow card," and then she start again. But uh, if no, you, but, but, but uh, the aristocracy the organized it. The aristocracy organized it, and they codified yeah. football. If you can, if you can, you know, think of it in those terms. But right. somewhere, somehow, football had begun to change, and the lower classes had begun to play it. And I think of this uh, this quote by um, I think this was um, one of the first presidents of the FA. I'm not sure. I'm really not mm -hmm. sure. I read it in a book somewhere, but yeah. it's about how uh, very quickly the recreation of a few had become the pursuit of thousands. And uh, uh, do you think though that this? Did, did you yeah. think that like this has in some to, relating to the spread of the sport, right? Become for it to become more of a people's game. Do you think like the industrial revolution had any effect on it? Because I I, I think it may have, right? No, because it, it, uh, it might not. It may not have. It definitely did. It, the industrial revolution mm -hmm. made football uh, the, the 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 widest, uh, you know, the the most played sport in the world in 2020. Mm -hmm. Because um, you know, England, the English Northwest, which is the manufacturing heartland of of the yeah. Industrial Revolution. It was not just that, but it was uh, also the homeland of football. I mean, amongst, you know, if you read William Blake, amongst his dark yeah. satanic mills, it is here that, you know, football was truly born. That's also interesting um, because that's also like, uh, since you mentioned that dark satanic mills, so like, think of those, it's like those dreary countryside factories that yeah. come to your mind, right? That's also <laughs> yeah. a very interesting story that we're, gonna, that we're gonna be talking about later in the episode, is how uh, how that is also how the, cape, uh, how the team River Plate got their name. Uh, interestingly okay. enough, right? So we'll okay. be talking about that okay. later. But uh, the first iteration of football league that was in eighteen eighty eight, I think, had had twelve teams from all the midlands and the northwest of the country, right? So the industrial towns yeah. whose populations like this swelled with like men uh, who moved to work at the mill or the factory, and these were like teams such as Blackburn, uh, Preston, Leeds, Brighton, Sheffield, right? So the mills of places such as Lancashire's spun not just half of the cotton of the world but wove half the teams of the first formal association football competition in the of world course. that's a very good metaphor and i'm fucking proud of myself for coming up with that yeah <laughs> no if you yeah. if you look at the the epl table today 200 mm. years later you see so many of the teams from the northwest you know still going strong i mean right. blackburn fine bolton they've they've blackpool they've fallen on uh, they've fallen on uh, you know hard times but Sheffield, Leicester, Brighton, yeah. Leeds, these teams are still, you know, going very strong. And yeah. they, they play very good football nowadays, especially if you look at Leeds under BL, uh, Bielsa, and uh, if you look at Sheffield, for example. If you look at Leicester City as well, like for, for Leicester yeah, City, yeah, post-2013, the, the rising up, in even in Barclays, is like fucking phenomenal, right? But like if, if 10 years back when we were growing up, like sucking Manchester United and like Arsenal, 
Just like someone tell us like Leicester City is going to be one of the top five teams in the Premier League. Just like kick them on the balls, I think. But uh, so those were like the ancient. But but I I I I'm, I keep thinking of what he told me. You know, I keep thinking about what he told me about uh, the the roots of cricket and how it how it's you know considered to be uh, this 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 you know vanguard of elitism, as mm-hmm. against this very accessible opium that is football. And right. uh, I mean, if 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 I may drop a Downton Abbey reference here, uh, your your the roles of Grantham, for example. I have no idea about this, but like this. <laughs> yeah, please watch it. Please yeah. watch it, Downton Abbey. Please watch Downton Abbey. It's just too deep. Uh, Been friends with me for long enough to know that I don't watch. Okay, things. you won't watch it, but. Yeah. Lord Grantham, for example, and they had an episode uh, in season two, I believe, where uh, you know Matthew and Lord Grantham, and they all go and play cricket with the people yeah. from the town, and mm-hmm. uh, they, they, you know, they they do an off spin or two, and they 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 swing the bat twice here and there. If you look at it, Prince Albert, Prince Andrew today, Prince yeah. Harry today, you'll always see them, you know, at, at the cricket pitch, you know, yeah. whatever the fucking moves are called the forward drive or whatever pull yeah, hook yeah. stuff no. like that but you never yeah. see any of them take a penalty for example that's yeah. for you know all your all your baits and all your all your barrows and uh, your mrs patmos to do lord grantham f- would yeah, you never know though now that like now that now this one of the one of them have, have uh, separated with megan markle you probably see yeah i'm talking about 200 years ago obviously I'm yeah talking about of course, the origin, of yeah uh, so that was like the origins origins of the yeah. sport, right? If you if you can like say like that was how the sport formed, and like these are the ancient roots, of course. Differences have been diluted. There have been money that have been pouring in for ages, and now it's like one of the most widely followed sports in the world, which is which is a which is it a is great the most story. widely followed sport. In yeah, the yeah. World. I think I don't, I don't think that's an exaggeration to say it honestly, but like these are the beginnings and the beginnings of clubs and national teams and rivalries. But between them are also seeped differences of the past, and this is this is the segment where we come and talk about why is it that teams have rivalries in the first place and how do rivalries stem. So I did a bit of reading on this, and uh, to I think I think our best place to start would be talking about rivalries that happened in in intra city, right? So for instance, let's say rivalries that you talk about, uh, such as Liverpool Everton, right? Same yeah. city. If you really think about it, Anfield and Goodison Park, they separated with just one small public park in the middle right yeah, and yeah. and every but you know, you know you know this, this it's an interesting example you've chosen the Marseille mm-hmm. side derby because yeah. um until very recently until you know maybe the 80s or the mid 90s the Merseyside derby was considered to be the friendly derby. So when we say derby, you know, colloquially we talk about any big match, but derby um, in football, it talks very specifically about, uh, you know, a match between teams who are close geographically. You know, they're in close yeah. proximity to each other. Yeah. So the Merseyside yeah. derby, it's, it's called a friendly rivalry because they never had, you know, much of... Um, Liverpool was always a better team, obviously. Yeah. And they and and Anfield so, belonged to Everton, I think, before. Yeah, Anfield belonged uh, to Everton the, originally, yeah. and yeah. even then, you know, when when Everton was forced out of Anfield because yeah. of uh, minor differences uh, with the person who owned Anfield the stadium, mm-hmm. and yeah. they had. I think uh, they just didn't. They, they they had to pay rent uh, for the pitch, yeah, and they, they had just to pay didn't rent. want to. And yeah, then they yeah. were kicked out. Not just that. So, so the, the rent job. prices soared in this is, uh, I think, the 1890s. The rent prices soared because yeah. uh, the, the owner of the 
and of of Anfield. Uh, yeah. I think his name is uh, Bold Holding, Johnny Holding, something like that. Yeah. John Holding, yeah, John Holding. So John Holding was a conservative, and he was a very you know self-made, gritty Liverpoolian. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, as opposed to that, many people on uh, Everton's board, their original board, they were part of the now defunct Liberal Party. And yeah. so there were political differences. And then, you know, rent prices soared and there were yeah, quarrels and all that. So Everton just, you know, shifted shop. They moved shifted, to yeah. Goodison Park. Yeah. And the thing is, you'd expect this to be, to you know, the, to sow the seeds of a very fractured, deep rivalry. But very funnily enough, that's not what happened. That's not. I think th- I think Manchester United and and Liverpool have a more historically yeah, backed yeah, 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 yeah. example. But we'll get to that in a second after I we'll uh, like I was explaining. Because I mean, if, if you if you think of it, if you think of it, there are no political, social, religious, sectarian uh, differences between Liverpool and Everton. Derby, no yeah. differences between yeah. uh, Liverpool and Everton. Derby. I think they even have same similar accents. If you really think about it, <laughs> right? They're from the uh, same city, obviously. They'll have similar accents. Yeah. Uh, but but getting to the psychology of so like like you mentioned so like what creates this kind of a rivalry right so uh, like I'm gonna be diving into uh, as to why the, a lot of psychoanalysis goes into 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 understanding why football rivalries happen in the same place and uh, and I don't want to be one of those psychology majors who like obviously will jerk off to Freud but Freud does play a very important factor in this. Uh, although most of his studies now, like you know, they have been discredited, right? Because he did not follow proper methodology while he was doing most of these studies. Uh, but however, I think Otto Rank did a study on why enmity happens, and he linked that with yeah. with Freud's uh, this essay, I think, called the Uncanny. So uh, Uncanny, I think, in German, it's called uh, Das Unheimlich. Uh, um, don't, uh, don't hold me on hold me on the on the pronunciation and all that. But the literal meaning of that is secret clandestine. So Freud explains that Heim means home, right? And Freud argues that an uncanny, uh, within quote situation, is when you have a home or as or city as a home, for instance, in this case, when we're discussing football rivalries, when you have a home and someone else comes and infringes upon that privacy of a home, that's where a situation of uncanny is created. So psychologically, even in like cases of like psychoanalysis to this degree, that's where most rivalries such as Liverpool Everton can be can be established because that's where. But I uh, think since you're talking about you know since you're talking about outsiders coming in and infringing upon what is traditionally you know home territory, yeah. And since we're also talking about the same city, I think yeah. the, the 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 biggest example. This also explains the rivalry between AC Milan and Inter Milan also, because okay, they literally okay, share yeah. the same similar city. Yeah. Right. Same but happens for the Roma most. I, I think the biggest rivalry is obviously the biggest derby in the world, and that is the old firm. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, yeah, that, it's that, actually not talked about as much. Uh, yeah, which, I is, doubt which is it. very funny, because because uh, I think that's because the Scottish League is not followed as much. It's not but, followed, uh, they don't have much of a budget, and plus it's just like a bunch of angry Irish men, like, you know, just leading Scottish, the Scottish. Scots. I'm sorry, uh, a bunch of yeah. Scottish. <laughs> angry Scotsmen. And like, if you really think about it, like eight of them in Scotland, so like, it's not many people as well. <laughs> Uh, no, but, but, however, but, but, but the old firm, old firm, let's talk about the yeah, old firm. The old firm, yeah. Yeah. So the old firm is, uh, as you know, it's Celtic against Rangers. Celtic versus Rangers. And, yeah. And there's, this, there's, an, um, there's, an, there's, an, there's a very interesting story about that, though, which I, I shall uh, say it in a while. Uh, okay, which is so, like, yeah, you're saying. Okay, so let me just, you know, tell, tell whoever's listening about, you know, the old firm and then you can get to your story. Right? Yeah. 
Okay, so the old firm is, uh, you know, this rivalry between Celtic and Rangers, mm -hmm. uh, both, you know, teams based in Glasgow. And uh, they have very, 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 very stark differences uh, in identity. Mostly because religious, Celtic, Mostly religious, but also, you know, it's, it's, it's very complex. It, it would be, you know, oversimplifying it, saying it's just uh, a religious, religious yeah. Because uh, obviously Celtic is Roman Catholic. And yeah. Rangers are Protestant, Protestant but Christians. beyond that, beyond that, because of their you know Presbyterian Protestant leanings, Rangers is also you know loyalist. Uh, that mm -hmm. means they support uh, Northern Ireland, uh, you know, remaining uh, as part of the Union, as part of the United Kingdom. Whereas, yeah. uh, whereas Celtic is obviously Republican, asking yeah. for the breakaway. Uh, there's also you know. Socially and politically, therefore, Rangers is conservative, whereas Celtic yeah. is, you know, more liberal, more perhaps more socialist. Yeah. But so there is since you spoke about, yeah. since you spoke about, uh, since you since you spoke about, uh, you know, outsiders infringing upon it, uh, mm -hmm. Celtic has a, a very interesting origin how the how the club was formed, because Rangers was the original club from Glasgow. But when, uh, you know, a, a lot of Irish um, immigrants settled in East Glasgow, they came looking for work and they worked in mines and in the factories and all of that. Uh, when all of that happened, uh, they were seen as the outsiders. And mm -hmm. Celtic Football Club was formed as an institution to, you know, lift these poor, uh, impoverished, uh, you know, uh, uh, East Glasgowians who were actually Irish immigrants out of their poverty, give them something to look forward to, give them uh, something to you know base their lives around, and therefore yeah. the Rangers, which was the club of the natives, obviously came in conflict with uh, Celtic, which came to be seen as the club of outsiders of Irish immigrants yeah. who've infringed upon you know traditional uh, Scottish land. So there's this old story that goes around though about this yeah. rivalry, uh, which is. Uh, so in Glasgow, apparently several years back, there was a 94-year-old man who was on his deathbed with some terminal disease. And uh, it was his last day on the planet, in fact. Like, last hour, if I may push it too far. Right? And uh, so the doctor doctor had been, and he'd said that, like, this is your last, uh, this is like a, like a terminal swan songs. So you can have everybody from your family, etc. People who are there from the neighborhood. Because he's like, you know, old 94-year-old man. He's like, fucking everybody loves him. Right? Probably a pedophile, but nobody yeah. gave a shit. So uh, they were there. <laughs> And they and they surrounded him uh, on his deathbed, and he had one last wish because I don't know that's how they go apparently. So they had one last wish, and on his deathbed, minutes before his death, he called a priest, which is a fucking surprising last wish. Um, like this, this just seems like an excellent. I think he's like you know around. just uh, just finish just finish the funeral off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, no, but like uh, interestingly enough, what he did is he called the priest, and uh, so he. So he, this this person is a Celtic fan, all right. So he's okay. a he's Roman a Catholic, Roman, Roman Catholic, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he's been a Celtic fan all his life, and before uh, before minutes of his death, he calls the priest, and the pre and has him converted into a Protestant, and everybody in the neighborhood is in well, shock. Well, he, like, he has himself converted. Converted okay, into, wait, a into a. Yeah. This is a story you've put on, uh, you know, on the caption. So what happens is he has himself converted, and. Uh, Everybody's taken by surprise because like what the fuck just happened? You've been a fucking Catholic all your life and like minutes before your death. Why would you convert yourself? And on record, the old 94-year-old bastard had said, if I die, that is one less 
uh, Protestant Rangers motherfucker you guys have to worry about. <laughs> what the Which, fuck? And if that doesn't, <laughs> that does not speak <laughs> about like how bad the Celtic Rangers rivalry is. Also, interesting enough, on the other side of Glasgow, when when there's the uh, when there's the Rangers fans, right near Ebrock Stadium, uh, yeah. there's one man who isn't spoken about, and like you know, see when World Cup when the cricket World Cup happened, for instance in India, um, the one the two thousand eleven one where India won, there was this are one you talking man, about are you talking about the the Sachin guy the Sachin guy who yeah yeah went so to this guy man. became yeah. like fucking popular yeah. right he's like putting yeah, yeah. Sachin ten and just like the World Cup on his head. And uh, so he became very popular. So like fans like this become reminiscent of that kind of uh, a World Cup period. Uh, Abdul Rafiq is a person who lives in Glasgow in Scotland and is a Rangers fan. But for some reason, nobody talks about him. Uh, Abdul Rafiq uh, is a Rangers fan and he's been kicked out and he's been disallowed from attending any matches, any any old firm derby matches. Because he has been, he's been caught for like inciting proper violence inside the stadium by singing like proper anti anti Celtic uh, chants definitely, but also anti Pope fans, pedophile jokes, selling shirts with pedophile jokes, which is which wow. is funny enough for ninety four year old old man with the ninety four year uh, year old you know he's he's a Celtic fan where he he's a Roman Catholic but this is <laughs> one place he and yeah, your your and, Abdul they'd get along very well. Yeah, and uh, and several several interviews from BBC, from Vox, etc. have covered Abdul Rafiq. But like, the fact that he's been he's gone to jail, and the fact that he's a, he's an Islamic man makes it no easier for him, definitely. Uh, so and he's been caught by the police several times. But every time there's an old firm derby, he knows he's not allowed inside. But he stands outside Ebrook Stadium, uh, just to give like you know the the Rangers fans like refreshments for free, and shirts and all of that. Uh, so that's the old farm derby. Also, interestingly enough, uh, that song "With or Without You" by U2, yeah. it isn't about like some romantic moving on that most people. No, it's it. about it's about it's about, it's about the separation and, of yeah, England and Ireland, Ireland, right? So like United Ireland Kingdom. is singing, um, Ireland is singing that you know we can live with or without Great Britain politically. That we don't need a country to be separating us. Great uh, song, by the way. If you haven't heard it, please. Bono is a great Shin, I have a good music taste. I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but the other. Yeah. So whoever had that song is just like moved on from someone by listening to With or Without You by YouTube. I'm fucking sorry for that, but I'm just sorry that's history. Uh, uh, um, you know, if if you do, you know, cry over someone listening to With or Without You, there's probably at least one Irish person who's probably murdered someone else and goes home and religiously listens to With or Without You. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there's probably like um, there's probably entire IRA you know IRA you know whatever the the army things are called uh, yeah, brigades yeah. who you know sing with or without you so maybe don't listen to it thinking of the girl who left you yeah uh, the next rivalry that we're gonna talk about is which one the Roma Lazio or, or I would talk about the Boca Juniors I think we should start with the Boca Juniors yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I love the story of the Boca okay. <coughs> I love the Boca Juniors and uh, the Super Classico, right? Uh, Boca Juniors versus River Plate. Yeah. And this is. Uh, it's in Argentina, in, obviously. It's in Argentina. Argentina. It's its origins are in the city of La Boca, which is in Argentina. It's like a Dockland area in Buenos Aires, right? So River Plate, and I love the story so of. I'll, I'll, te- I'll, it, tell, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I know. Very, you know, the the, the very bare bones basics, and that's River Plate. Uh, is no, no, this, just like get to you know, let, let just rich, tell, tell the listener the story of like how River Plate got their name and how like 
Pokaj Jr. has okay, got there okay, played sure, because sure. it's it's I love the story and it seems it's so absolutely random and the fact that it's 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 stuck for so many years just astonishes me. So what happened is uh, this is the Dockland area. So uh, Argentina had good trade relations with England in this time. Like this is like nineteen oh one. So like it was proper trade period time. Whatever. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm very there, uh, sure there's still trade now. I mean, yeah, but like you get what I mean. So, uh, so okay. the English players they've they've come to Buenos Aires to unload, unload, unload. Wow, I can't speak English. Unload uh, boxes, right? So they were unloading the boxes in the docks in Buenos Aires, and uh, so certain Argentinian boys they were looking at these English um, English boys un 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 unloading their boxes, crates, etc., onto the dock. And then once they'd done that, they started. The English started playing a match of football on the docks, and the Argentinians uh, were taken aback. It's like, what is this beautiful sport, and why do we not play it? Because for for us to imagine, like in in a place like Buenos Aires, football as like for the average person, they'd probably think like it's, it's existed forever. But here's here's how it actually began. So they saw these English players uh, playing football, and in all of those crates, it was written River Plate. So like because. I don't know. It's like a trading company that existed at the time. So like River Plate Trading Company, and that's how the club's name started. These Argentinians just went back home, got a ball, and they just called themselves River Plate because the first place that seen that name was on absolutely random unloading trading boxes on the docklands being played by English players, and it's like a it's a great great story. Uh, well, it's, I, I you know you you said that it's random. This is actually random. I mean, I, you know, I thought that you were saying that you know to 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 rope listeners in, but this is actually. You just you just said a sentence which is I thought you were random. This is absolutely random. <laughs> this is the one sentence you could have not said in your life. Anyway, um, uh, Boca Juniors are similar. They started on similar grounds, I think. Boca. Uh, you you uh, do you want to explain how uh, how the rivalry started or should I do that? I'm, I'm not sure how team. I'm not uh, you know I don't have a, a cool story okay, about so, how so, Boca Juniors so, so, got its name, but I, I'll tell you the basics, and that's that's from what I know, and that's River yeah. Plate is considered to be this upper class you know uh, mm -hmm. gentrified rich pe people club, whereas Boca Juniors you know you know gritty laborers, workers, migrants who are working in the docks and working in the factories. And this was basically, you know, the class divide that we were talking yeah. about. The upper classes versus the lower classes. But that's not how it always used to be because both of them started at similar grounds. So what happened is later on, River Plate, okay. they... Moved. I didn't know this, by the way. Yeah, uh, River Plate, they, both of these clubs were playing in similar cities, like La Boca. Right, and later so they on, were what happened in the is, same city. They're playing in the same yeah, yeah, city. Yeah, they were, right? and it, there was no difference there because it was like random Argentinian teenagers tossing a ball around, calling themselves River Plate and Boca Juniors. Right, so River River Plate later on, uh, in like twenty twenty five, I think they moved to this affluent northern district of Nunez in Argent in Argentina. Since then, Boca Juniors have been known like the Argentinian working class or like the people's club because. Uh, because River Plate, they moved upwards and then they developed this air of like elitism. Right, because like oh, we play so is it is it is it, now, is, so it is, is there is there any reason why River Plate shifted or was it like eh, let's go there and I be I don't rich. think there is though <laughs> I I don't I don't think the club shifted I think there was some kind of sociological uh, difference that happened for people to emigrate from like this kind of to there. Uh, but uh, interesting. Maybe the guys enough, just got rich, you know. Maybe the guys just got rich, and they're like, "Yeah." They they were in fact they were called the millionaires. They were called Los Millionarios, which is supposedly like an upper class. Wow. 
Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you're called the millionaires, you'll be upper class. Yes, I can believe that. So the first but, match, yeah, but, like, but the, the, and they that, played yeah. and then Liverpool played one, two, one. That, that was the first but super classic. You know, ever. this is you know the the class thing we were talking about, and yeah. this is very you know di- this is a very dichotomous thing. You know, very black and white, upper class, lower class, River Plate, uh, Boca Juniors. But since yeah. you since you began talking about class, I'll just like to talk about uh, in, uh, about about uh, the Riviera derby, which is Dortmund and Schalke. Yeah. You know, w- halfway across the world in Germany. But very interestingly, this is also related to class, by the way. But this is not the upper versus lower, rich versus poor thing that this we've seen. But yeah, this is inter- interclass, because th- these are two sets of, uh, you know, laborers fighting with, uh, with each other because so Schalke is um, uh, based in the city called Gelsenkirchen, which mm-hmm. was uh, which isn't that like an alcohol a... no that's Heineken what the fuck isn't that like a proper no no say that again I, 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 I think I've heard Gelsenkirchen. Gelsenkirchen I don't know it just seems like a very familiar word anyway yeah Gelsenkirchen Heineken yeah. maybe Heineken no no I, I know what I I know what I yeah it's fine. Uh, anyways, uh, ne- never drank girls in Kirkin. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, but uh, very German name, no? Gelsen Kirkin. Hi. Yeah, probably because it's in fucking Germany, it's a shame. Hi, Hitler. Okay, no, no. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah. But okay, so Schalke is based in Gelsen Kirkin. Which is uh, which is uh, an industrial town known for its you know for its oil refinement and also mainly for its coal mines basically. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what what the name is in German, but Schalke is nicknamed the miners because they're yeah. very literally miners. The the first players. So I don't know if you know this or not, but when professional football when football first started, it yeah. was people with day day jobs who played football you know for leisure. Yeah. So the original players of uh, of Schalke were miners. They used mm-hmm. to mine. <laughs> that was literally yeah. their job. Whereas on the other hand, uh, Dortmund, which is maybe I don't know five miles away, so it's mm-hmm. very very you know geographically kupkachakachi, very nearby, very close by, and yeah, yeah very close by. Yeah. And Dortmund is this you know massive um, uh, steel city. Because, you know, I don't know. I don't know why, man. It's just a steel city. It just yeah. So yeah. So these are two main industrial towns, right? Located very, very close to each other. One is uh, one is a powerhouse of coal. The other is a powerhouse of uh, steel. And yeah. it wasn't a, a a rivalry between rich and poor, but it was a rivalry. It was an intercity rivalry between Dortmund and Gelsenkirchen to determine, you know, who holds the bragging rights for being uh, the leader of, 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 of industrialized of, of industrialization uh, industrial cities. Yeah. That's interesting, you know, how also Manchester United and, and, and the Liverpool, uh, a significant part of the Manchester United and Liverpool uh, rivalry started because they used to be really close. And if you really remember, when the air crash happened of yeah, the Manchester yeah. United players, uh, when they were called really, really. The, the babes or something, what were they called? Bouncy babes or something they were called. <laughs> Uh, you know they they did they did I'm not I'm not saying this of, of some kind of cheap humor they were actually called that, um, so they were called that and then uh, there was a kind of disconnect between these two cities where they wanted to export where they, they where they were exporting uh exporting some kind of trading something from each city to another 
right and liverpool uh, wanted to trade with manchester which was actually happening then uh, but what manchester did is the manchester in industry this what they did is they created a kind of inward strait or an inward channel inside the country so manchester okay. no longer was dependent about liverpool for their trade which is what led to you know creation of rifts between the regions of like industrialism so in this manchester you know this this harkens back to how we began this episode this harkens back to how we began this episode with how you know football is affected by society and how society in turn affects football because these are intercity rivalries these are rivalries between cities which have uh, which have nothing to do with sport at all and exactly. yet they 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 were transposed onto the arena of football same for politics so when when, the, when for instance yeah. when mussolini took over lazio right he just wanted like kind of italian understanding and lazio still remains to this day a very no, very right wing i think, right, I th- I think you know i know i think uh, it's funny you talk about lazio because i'm not sure you got that right because mussolini wanted an amalgam of roman football teams uh-huh. to stand for his you know hard roman right wing um nationalistic fascist ideology and that's how you mm-hmm. know teams came together and they became roma acas roma and yeah. lazio was the only team which resisted and said no we won't join this and yet today right. almost like 80 years later lazio is you know infamous for having a very very right wing far right fascist yeah because uh, i've seen their matches and like i've seen fans doing the the heil thing with their hands i don't know the salutation <laughs> the extreme right wing salutation salute, yeah Yeah, for some reason you know this. Can't. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so no, that's it's that. It's funny because I'm not sure how that happened because they resisted uh you know joining uh, uh, an amalgam of fascist teams and then a while later they just became the most fascist people in Italy. I <laughs> which is strange. Yeah. Uh now I think uh this is the part where you want to talk about the El Clasico derby and how Ooh, it started. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So, uh, so yeah. I'm a Barcelona fan and I've been waiting for this for the last you. I don't know 40 minutes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is wonderful book. This is wonderful book. Like, have have I not done enough for you growing up? Just like still a Barcelona fan. Oh, who do you support? Who do you support? Manchester United. Manchester United. But but I made that but I made that like <laughs> that commitment way early in my life when i had like a brother who okay so here's what happened though so he i had a brother who want, was, no 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 we we no, don't listen, want listen. to know three the, i had a brother who was who manchester i considered united. super cool and he uh, followed manchester united so he so had like so you thought let me support manchester, manchester united, united guys become super cool too yeah no no he had manchester united jerseys and he had manchester united like kits and shit and like i used to walk in his room and like fucking posters of rank so i was like wow if i have to be cool in life i have to like fucking support this god club nice and i did and then uh, david and then david moyes walked in and i was like well fuck <laughs> <laughs> just like <laughs> shit <laughs> and then uh, i can't but change anyway, it anyway, because anyway, i'm anyway, my mom moving on moving um, on please can we move on yeah the, the your, classical derby your, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um we were talking about politics and i think there is no derby as politicized as barca real because um it's funny so there's this book as i was talking about there's this beautiful book about uh the history of the el clasico it's by this guardian uh, columnist his name is sid low he's english but he lives in spain and mm-hmm. he's written this book called fear and loathing in la liga and uh, it's it's uh, it's a beautiful book because it's i don't know two seventy pages and it traces everything right from the beginning i think it's and it you know me. i after yeah. yeah i have sent it to you like yeah. you know Simon Cooper's book I've sent to you you never read yeah. huh. 
I haven't. But but uh, this is where I learned this from, and we always know that it's about you know, Spanish Union versus separatism. Yeah. But so how it started out was that uh, the the Catalonian uh, the Spanish Civil War and the separation of and the separatism that they wanted, like even in as recent times as two thousand seventeen and eighteen. But the city of Barcelona have has wanted to like separate itself from the main yeah, Spanish mainland. Yeah, they they've tried right, to force like, a reform. And like since Madrid is like the capital, is like smack dab in the center of of the span of of Spain. I think that's a major part of the rivalry. I think that's the only part of the rivalry. No, I mean it it it, it has a strange beginning because both clubs are formed in the late nineteenth century, but mm -hmm. the the politicization of 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 El Clasico. Uh, you know the identity, the symbolism that's been you know that's grown to be associated with this. Uh, it began only this unholy cocktail of polarization, if you will. This yeah. this began unholy after the cocktail of polarization. Jesus Christ, man! Come on, Fucking. I read, I read, man! Come on, unholy I can't shit. help being poetic. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no. Yeah. You were saying. So the Spanish um, Civil War was, uh, for for those who don't know, it it, it was between nineteen thirty six and thirty nine, uh, and uh, we won't go into the reasons behind the Spanish Civil War. But after the Spanish Civil War was you know lost and after it was won, uh, mm -hmm. this right wing nationalist leader, a leader called uh, General Franco, he he yeah. won sadly, and yeah. his headquarters obviously became the capital of Spain, which is Madrid. Madrid, and yeah. he began to use Real Madrid. Uh, as a propaganda machine. Yeah, it was state-sponsored propaganda. Yeah. And yeah. he used it as a symbol of, you know, of the union and of nationalism, as opposed to, you know, this, this traitorous separatism of, of the Catalans. Yeah. And if you want to dig into, you know, really specific instances, there's this story Sidlo talks about in the 1943 uh, Generalissimo Cup, which is the Copa del Rey today. Mm -hmm. So in the semifinals, uh, Barcelona then had the stadium at Lescor, and they were leading three men, right? Mm -hmm. And the second leg, however, somehow Madrid defeated them 11-1, and how you may ask. So yeah. in Madrid, before the match, the chief of Spanish secret police, he was rumored to have gone down to the Barcelona uh -huh. dressing room. And right. you know, he had a, he had a friendly conversation <laughs> with uh -huh. the Barcelona players, and he said, yeah. you know, uh, think of the generosity of our leader Franco, and think yeah. of all the, think of how accommodating he's been. And you know, when you play, think of how good Franco's been to you generally. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> just very friendly conversation. Or, or otherwise, we might just and leave you. You might die. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, and then they lost eleven-one, which is ridiculous. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember this is you know. This yeah. this this was basically the beginning of this barefaced uh, embrace of Real Madrid by Franco, and of it course, also like, know, uh, the, the the controversial transfer that happened of of the Stefano. Di Stefano, yeah, Alfred yeah. Di uh, the, That originally agreed to like a transfer of Barcelona, but like after yeah, very yeah, yeah. very shady like some negotiation that happened on behalf of Franco's own advisors, he joined Madrid again, right? So I mean, like I've read the story. If if you read exactly what happened, it's very confusing. But the basic yeah. thing is, Franco told him, "Bye, we want this guy. They will not go to Barcelona. We and want this guy. <laughs> just give it to us, or otherwise we'll just like you know, just we'll just kill you. Just kill you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but like harshest accusations though have come from like people who've lived in these murky recesses of Spanish history. So it yeah, was of seemingly course. impossible but to like beat Real Madrid because they were like Franco's team, like you said. So when speaking, right, and and they were using sport to assert to assert power to a certain degree, 
and as all Barcelona fans believe, they exploited a I broken system. Of course, uh, exploited a broken system to like systematically handicap them. Of course, but again, yeah, in my I opinion, like just Franco getting back at a region which is not only like a political problem. Uh, you know, with, with the whole proud Catalan spirit that held their rich cultural history at odds with, you know, and distinct from the rest of Spain. It was also like more of a personal problem for him as a politician because Catalonia had posed as the biggest like uh, you know military problem for him in the civil war, and this was his assertion and his way of dealing with the problem was like to do it. Yeah, that 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 might be you know a it's, very it's exactly psychological a very populist way to propaganda. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that's wrong it, though for like politics to come into football? Like, I just don't think it's wrong. Yeah, but I don't know it's whether it's wrong or right, but the the yeah. the, the bottom line is politics and football will always inevitably come together. Because yeah. if you if you think of you know past classicals, um, yeah. the the meetings became less about football and more about uh, more about what the football symbolized. Because also became Barcelona more Messi Ronaldo and all of yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, th- that's also true because Barcelona defeating Real d- during yeah. Franco's era, for example, if uh-huh. it, it 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 meant the defeat. If if only yeah, a it was very, symbolic uh, of like their struggle against defeat. oppression. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was the defeat of authoritarianism to democracy yeah. li- li- and liberalism. Whereas yeah. if, you know, Madrid edging past Barcelona, it was an assertion of the of the iron-fisted supremacy yeah. of the Spanish Union. But yeah. again, this is also how not just, you know, the, 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 the social background behind rivalries, but also how good the teams have become from a, po- from a sporting perspective. Because Glasgow and Rangers, for example, they're the best teams in Scotland. They won mm-hmm. the they've won the Scottish uh, Premier League a hundred and one times between them. Real yeah. and Barca they're the two most dominant teams in Spain. So it's not just a very intense sporting rivalry. It's also political, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. what makes it bigger. I mean, speaking of bigger, speaking of bigger, Mescon Club, yeah. which is more than a club, which is Barcelona's slogan. It's yeah. not just uh, it's, it's 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 symbolic it, of like a, some kind of political said, struggle. Yeah. Yeah, it means that it's not just a slogan, it's a declaration of of principles, of what this institution stands for, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, it's also psychological. I mean, Franco, as you said, it might yeah. have been psychological. He might have been trying to get back at Catalonia. But, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, there's this Catalan social, uh, sociologist. His name is Luis Flaquer. And uh-huh. he wrote uh, how Real and Barcelona became very psychological for Catalans themselves. Because... You couldn't shout Franco, you murderer, on the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could shout at Madrid players. And so it was, you know, a purely psychological phenomenon. Right. Um, like, if you consider even today the meetings between the two, it sort of mirrors like the politics of a fractured Spanish society, I think. Of course it does. And if you think of it, if you think of it, it's very ironic because, you know, 2010, Spain won the World Cup. Yeah. And then seven out of the eleven who won it in this, you know, in this zenith of Spanish success in the world, yeah. seven out of them uh, were from Barcelona, which yeah. just, which is just funny because this is a place which stands for separatism and and you know distinction. Yet they are the ones who led you to winning it on the grandest stage of them all. Yeah. But, like, uh, most of this history doesn't get considered when we talk about, like, El Clasico, right? Nowadays, El Clasico is just trickled down into, like, some kind of narrow uh, discussion about, like, oh, yeah. how many years will Messi play and how many years will yeah. my boy Ronaldo play? And then, like, who's the better one? And then, like, a thousand Facebook pages Messi. come up. Like, Messi. Messi. Don't, don't be a part of the problem when you're trying to create academic discourse. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so uh, it doesn't, and neither does nobody talks about why Similar and Timur. There is a rivalry between Celtic Rangers. No one talks about like why there is a dead Irish guy standing outside, like lying outside Ebrox Stadium. Yeah, right. And, but uh, I think these are things the, we should talk about. These are things we should talk about because these are things we think should talk it. about. But if the, the 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 advantage and disadvantage of it is that the advantage of knowing anything is that it you know that that's the advantage. You know, so you know. So that's like the advantage. The disadvantage of it is the more you know, the more you exploit. Right, so uh, I think if it's if if people really get to the bottom of the problem, especially with whatever's happening in the global political spectrum, yeah, uh, there is a chance that like football, uh, being used again for this kind of like, you know, uh, political, social, ethnic handles. No, it's it's very explicitly been used in the past for politics because which is what me, makes it all the more likable to uh, to be happening again. Yeah, because let me let, I'll just take five more minutes. Right, it's. Yeah. We'll talk about Brazil and Argentina. I'll talk about Brazil and Argentina. I'm not going to talk about it at all. Okay. But how yeah. football in Brazil and Argentina were used by their dictators, you know, yeah. as nationalistic propaganda. Because, you know, in the 70s, both Brazil and Argentina, these had military dictatorships, right? Yeah. yeah. And they looked to something which could inspire and arouse and electrify entire yeah. societies. And mm -hmm. what they wanted was right before them. They had football. So, th you know, such regimes obviously didn't last very long. But look yeah. at what they did. You know, you know, Pra Frenche Brazil, which is forward Brazil. And yeah. this was a song written for the 1970 World Cup. And it became, very funnily, the theme for the, Brazil, uh, the Brazilian uh, military regime. Vamos Argentina, which is Let's Go Argentina. It was yeah. first used as a political slogan. Then yeah. it became the song of the 1978 World Cup, and then it was cranked out again during the Falklands War, yeah. which just shows how unholy a cocktail, as I, as I said, and I will say again, how unholy a cocktail football and politics you know, can be can if be. used yeah. uh, as propaganda. I think with that, uh, we've covered up mostly all of that we wanted to cover up in this episode. We've talked about uh, mostly all... Uh, big political, I'm sorry, big uh, football rivalries, but like now we can obviously say political rivalries and social ethnic yeah. class-based rivalries uh, for that episode. I mean, there's so much we haven't talked about. We, of I course we haven't, but for us to come up with like an yeah. airtight discussion in one hour or so is, is kind of difficult though. Uh, but uh, that was that uh, with how football has been influenced by these factors. Let us know what you thought about the episode, of course. Get back to us, get back to us via Instagram DM, get back to us via email. I would really, really like it. If you guys came and uh, whined about me, whined to me about why I, uh, the episode was shit, which you guys whined to him and... about him, yeah, that that's a good line. Yeah, and, uh... <laughs> you go to O three, whine to him <laughs> about O three. <laughs> yeah, and uh, let us know what you guys want the next few episodes on the podcast to be like. Uh, Sushin, thank you so much uh for no, joining thank you, thank uh, you. in this thank episode you. i'm so sorry to keep you up at night it's just like recording. no no no, no. i enjoyed doing this I, I really enjoyed uh, doing this yeah i would really appreciate it also if you guys went to our instagram page and said thank you sushain a bunch of times so sushain can uh <laughs> like sleep at night um thank you so much oh. for tuning in that, that was the first episode of news from the underbelly um this is your host Otri Mukherjee signing off for today and i'll see you in the next episode have a good one